um, I had just attended Island of Men, which was a, a men's event um, down 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 there, for about two hundred men, uh, and I had facilitated a session there uh, about about purpose, and that was the first men's event that I had been to, um, and um, so I was pretty fucking hopped up on 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 the energy in that event, and I was flying back and I was sitting at the airport. And uh, I heard, just heard this guy just going off about lazy people and how they can't change. Actually, hold on, Nathan, back up. I'm going to go live now because I just asked you out of curiosity, but it's actually kind of a, I'm reminding now of the story now. Okay, back up how you found out about us and how you originally met one of the co-owners, Alex. All right, so you're at the airport. Please go on. I'm sorry. Yeah, man. Um, uh, So I'm at the airport and I'm just hearing this guy. He's just going off. It's just like, you know, um, and everything he's saying is just hitting me and hitting me and hitting me. I'm like, yeah, 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 totally. Um, this, you know, so I kind of, I just leant over and I was like, you know, you guys, what are you guys talking about? It could be frustrating or whatever. And we just ended up getting into a conversation. Um, yeah, it kind of just led, um, led to some conversations about NLP and about what I was doing and, about work with men and uh, yeah we, we kind of just went from there and, um, what yeah. were you hearing Alex Raven rant about what what drew you in what was he saying oh man you know he was uh, he, he was talking about um, excuses uh, and, 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 and why people aren't and don't get results um, and, um, and he was just going pretty deep into that uh, and, and the kind of that's kind of like speaking my language you know that's kind of what got me interested in 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 figuring out uh, how to help people properly and then you walked up to him i assume yeah we were sitting next to each other and i kind of just i just kind of leant over and kind of introduced myself uh it was was very very random now if we back up five couple years ten years do you think you would have walked up to this person or started this conversation uh no definitely not i mean i wouldn't even have heard what he was saying uh, in fact if i had heard it i may have taken offense to it uh, because mm. he would have been talking about me uh, five years before then and that's where i want to get into your story nathan maybe you've told it a few times on with other people on other podcasts but for people who aren't aware and even myself who's not as aware can you break down who you used to be and how you have transformed your physical, mental, psychological state. Yeah, man. Um, uh, I guess the, the 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 place I normally start the story, even though it's obviously not the start, is is graduating high school, two hundred fifty kilos. So you know so big you know i could barely tie my shoelaces um and um just uh had been very addicted to comfort my whole life uh and dependency um and and you know um ironically that addiction to comfort led me into a life where it was impossible to to be comfortable physically so i was in a really bad way physically um, and I was starting to question my future uh, and what it all looked like. Um, and uh, really, I had no vision for, for my future. It was that, that, that didn't involve 
you know, darkness and, and um, pain and, and suffering. This, you know, so um, at that at that moment, it was it was it was pretty much like um, if I don't do something about this now, then uh, then I don't even know where this is where this is headed. So. 2005, beginning of 2005, I, I had lap band surgery, um, and that was kind of just like what felt like a, a last ditch effort. But really, I hadn't even then decided to change. It was just like, what can I do that will change things without me having to do anything? And surgery was just part of that. So, yeah, I lost weight. Um, uh, pretty quickly over the next couple of months, but uh, you know, eventually uh, the weight loss stopped after like five months or six months. And I was just eating more and more and more again. Um, none of the emotional stuff, none of the m mental uh, stuff had been done. Um, so nothing had changed except a physical restriction on the amount of food that I could eat. Which was which was very difficult because um, food was the way that I managed my emotions, uh, the way I had done it forever. So um, even though I still wanted to binge eat, uh, I physically couldn't, which uh, is a horrible experience. It's like the creatures in one of Dante's um, levels of hell with endless bellies and pinholes for mouths. That's how you uh, felt. Uh, hungry ghosts yeah. yeah a void inside that that could never be filled how did you even develop the self-awareness to realize you needed to change you know because people lie to themselves they as you said they get very comfortable and don't seek discomfort you know and lap band surgery that that's even a uh, a way to it just tells a little window into where your mental state was would you say you were looking for like a quick easier fix and still hadn't realized the changes that needed to be made from a mental psychological component of course yeah of course i mean i lived i, I lived in a fantasy world of my own creation uh, which which was about um, my life and uh, what my life would be like, you know, when I lost weight, um, and and that fantasy and the that, that I call it a fantasy rather than a vision, because it was created um, based on my fears uh, rather than uh, a vision, which is like a, a deep sense of knowing. So the fantasy was was all about you know fame, and fortune, and, um, and and changing my life and getting girls and, and all of this kind of stuff but I I never I could not risk actually looking at the reality of my life but how did you realize that because you said you couldn't risk looking at the reality of your life is that right yeah I mean the paradox of change is that that you cannot change until you first accepted everything as it is, right? So um, if I couldn't look at the reality, <laughs> because the reality was so fucked, mm. that um, 
uh, it was easier and safer to, to, to live in the fantasy, which meant I never actually took any steps forward. Um, you asked how I realized that. Yeah. That's a more difficult question to, to answer um, because it came, it came in stages. Um, so so um, this, there's so much to this, by the way. I, I think that the next turning point was years later, five or six years later, um, I had a bulging disc in my, in my lower back a completely numb left leg and um, I was in incredible pain I'd been fired from my job I was I was taking huge amounts of painkillers um, and um, isolating myself completely uh, eating junk food and, and watching horror movies <laughs> it was pretty much all I did and um, I've, I've kind of found myself in the neurosurgeon's office who was talking about what to do about this bulging disc uh, and and the talk was about fusing fusing my spine and um you know the the, the numbers didn't sound good at all um, but i was like yeah sweet this is the next thing like the next surgeon to fix me mm. um you fix my back so then i can lose weight and, and, and all of that stuff but he said he, he won't perform the surgery because i was 15 you know 15 kilos too heavy he wouldn't perform surgery on, on someone that size so i would need to lose weight before he performed surgery for for the back so i was fucking angry at that obviously because this is his job to fix me yeah um and now i was stuck i was stuck i can't walk so how am i going to lose weight I've, I've already had weight loss surgery that didn't work now i'm too fat for him to perform surgery to fix my back to help me walk to, so that I can lose weight. And that combination of, of factors, plus like looking up at my mom and seeing her like totally sobbing uh, and then realizing the pain that I had caused my family and, and looking and, and that kind of really enabled me to look at the reality, to look around and go, oh man, I, I've really stuffed up here. like. You know these decisions that I've been making are really not just affecting me. Um, it's fine for me to eat myself to death, but look what it's doing to my family. What's going to happen if this continues? Um, and that was what really kind of led me to to actually making a decision. Um, um, that decision, uh, people call it lots of different things, rock bottom or, or whatnot, like. It really is just the decision. That's all rock bottom is. It's it's not a place. It's not a thing. You can't measure it. It's different for everybody. But the thing that makes it rock bottom is that a decision is made there, a real decision, not a bullshit decision, but a real decision. Um, so people can continue to experience uh, deeper and deeper darkness in their lives and never actually change because it just never tips over to making that decision are you familiar with joseph campbell's hero's journey absolutely yeah i'm sure you would and, and that, would you say that is your abyss just before the the death and rebirth just before the transformation or is there yet more yeah. to come yeah oh, of course there's always more to come you know the, the, the hero's journey is, is, is it's cyclical is always, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's always going it's macro micro yeah it's all together Great i point. can identify you know all of those points in my in my journey of, of, of weight loss as well um 
but but it, it, that's an interesting point because where I will go uh, from that is to say um, that my story, um, I, I, I spent a lot of time really hating myself for putting myself into that position. You know, hating myself for robbing myself of a childhood um, or the ability to pursue um, my, my bliss or my, my passion, whatever that may have been, was totally consumed by, um, by what, what I did to myself physically. So at that point, my entire life became about sorting my stuff out. Right, so it became my entire life became about losing weight physically. So that's when I went on that journey. Um, and then after that, everything that I have in my life now all came because of how I like to put it now is I spent the first 18, 23 years of my life building uh, a mountain that was worthy of me to climb. Hmm right and that shift has been uh, one of the most fundamental shifts that i had in, in in personal transformation which was that to forgive myself for everything i've done because it was what has given me the resilience the strength the persistence the discipline the commitment everything that i had to learn in order to overcome that um, uh, were all things that I needed to learn in my life. And, and you know, um, so I'm like thankful for it. How did you get to that point of forgiveness? Because I think it's a delicate balance where you want to be, you want to be truthful and honest with yourself. But at the same time, you don't want to let the past trials and tribulations weigh you down like a heavy, heavy rock just dragging you along, right? So how, so that forgiveness is also like releasing the chain almost in some ways. How do you, because so many I think so many people struggle with that and that forgiveness I think is in such an important step for so many people. How did you get to that point where you actually could forgive yourself? Well, um I just I just decided to that the most important thing was how I felt. So if I felt guilt and shame um, and anger and resentment, if I blamed other people, I didn't feel good. So I went on a quest to figure out what did feel good. And what did feel good was changing the story, changing yeah. the story that I had about myself um, and about my past. And you say that you want to be truthful with yourself. I don't think that self-punishment and self-judgment and criticism is truthful. What do you think it is? I think it's another story. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's another story. I think it's, um, and this is where we can kind of move into the the NLP stuff. Yeah, essentially, it's looking at the the the, the language 
and the structure of the language that you use to speak to yourself um, and how that literally creates your reality and how it does so and how it has done so since uh, since you were born. And yeah, that's where enters NLP. And I think it's a great point you made about stories. Like we all, we, we have stories that are indoctrinated into us from our parents or our environment, social conditioning. And then we have, we kind of meld and create our own stories based on some of those experiences and the things that we experience in, in childhood and adulthood. And I think, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, well, one of our missions is to bring awareness, I believe, to these stories and realize, are these serving me? Mm. Are these resourceful? And as coaches and trainers that, that we train and as I am, it's like, well, we facilitate that journey, right? Mm. Because someone's going to be told a certain story, whether, um, I mean, there's numerous. I'm not, I won't even give into examples. And then we, we facilitate the change, so provide the support. How, and you talk about NLP. Is NLP, would you regard that as one of the biggest influences to changing those stories? Yeah, um, learning uh, learning NLP and learning about NLP was was like um, was like understanding putting words uh, and understanding to things that I kind of um, already knew but didn't have words or labels for. Uh, it was it was hugely fascinating uh, and interesting to me, um, and it kind of just. Um, yeah, it kind of just showed me how important it is um, to when you're when you're looking to change or transform to that it's not just on the conscious level it's not just what you want you know what you want is uh, is, is is a pretty shitty thing to go by um, why do you want what you want is like maybe the first question into like diving down a little bit more deeply into that because um, a lot of like people and myself included can and have been trapped by the pursuit of what they want. Mm. All right. and, and, and I discovered that firsthand with weight loss after losing weight, after, um, you know, uh, having getting everything that I thought that I wanted. You know, I'd lost like 130 kilos. I was now a PT, had my own business. I'd moved out of home. Um, I was uh, making money. Uh, I was getting attention from girls, like all of the things that I thought that I wanted, but it still wasn't enough. It still wasn't enough. Um, yeah. Hmm. So There's lots of places I can go from. No, of course, and it's always like we're kind of taking a zoom out and we're touching on like some of these things, and each thing you can go very deep on. Um, there's two places I want to go. One is deeper into NLP, and one is realizing what you want. Um, you got some of those things that you thought you superficially wanted. Some of the you, some of the stories you told yourself, yeah, I want fame, money, women, and like to an extent, all those things are important. 
to an extent, but they're just hugely dramatized, right? Uh, people center their identity around them, which has become real su- super dangerous. So for you, how did you realize what you wanted? What did you really want? Because you got those things and you're like, huh, I'm not fulfilled or I don't have meaning or satisfaction or joy or it's fleeting. Um, the, the, these, these moments come from darkness. Mm. Yeah. Darkness always. So in, in the discovery of, of, you know, that I had everything that I wanted looked around, I was with the girl of my dreams that, you know, the girl who, you know, I had met years earlier when I was way overweight and, and built this incredible friendship and we had kind of, um, um, You've gone our separate ways after uni, and I'd gone on this this physical journey of transformation. And by the time we got, we met up again. You know, um, she like walked past me on the street, kind of thing, and, and we and it was just a different thing. And we got into a relationship, and um, uh, I'm looking around, going like, "Holy fuck! Like I've just got the holy grail here. I've got everything." And I even like jumped from the friend zone. You know, to to to, to be in a relationship with this unbelievable, sexy um, girl of my dreams. You know, the, the the it's like the one that that I thought could I could never have now had it, and that's a that's a mind fuck. That's a mind fuck. So um, I cheated on her, mm. right? Because it wasn't enough. Mm. I wanted more. I hadn't done any of the emotional work to understand why I had gotten so fat in the first place. I hadn't done um, any of the unconscious work to understand why I couldn't sit at the dinner table with my parents for family dinner. Um, And I couldn't speak. And I just had this rage that was just constantly building. And why I, you know, I still felt like I needed to stuff food into my mouth to deal with these emotions. I hadn't looked at any of that. Plus, now I had buried and pushed down the guilt of of, of what I had what what I had done, um, and was just trying to get on with living a um, living a, a normal life with her. We moved in together, and everything's just started to go downhill. Right, because I was holding on to so much shit. Um, the guilt, the shame, the feeling of not being good enough really had been with me my entire life. Um, and it was all coming out um, now in this, in this relationship. Um, so I had really no choice but to to start looking into that stuff um, in order to um, prevent the 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 demise the the downfall the collapse you know I realized that I was living you know with dependencies dependencies on my parents financially and, and dependencies on 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 her on my fiance and um, and I needed to break that. Even the gym I was working at, I was working with a really good mate of mine, and, and you know, um, I just saw my life had been set up um, as a web of deceit and lies, um, 
and false reputation that I had built and promoted uh, with masks that I had been wearing since the beginning uh, and a big suit of armor that that physically was was the fat around my body uh, but that was 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 glaringly um, obvious once I had lost weight because of how scared and how vulnerable mm. uh, I felt when I didn't have the suit of the, the, the fat to, mm. to protect me. So being thrust into that and exposed in that way, you know, the, the, the little boy uh, who had been, you know, cowering behind the armor and, and peeking out into the world never had the opportunity to be tested to um, fail to be overwhelmed to grow to strengthen um, the longer that I was protecting that little boy with the armor and the mask the the, the worse that void um, began to feel so so it basically got to the point where, where I decided that I had to tear down um, everything that I had built up until that point um, because it was all built on a foundation of sand. It was all lies. It was all masks. How did you tear it down? What did you do? Well, I started by, by, by telling my girlfriend that I cheated on her a year and a half earlier. You know, that was like the, 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 the biggest piece, the hardest thing that, the, you know, my dirtiest, darkest secret that, that I had exposing that and sharing that with the person who I feared losing most. Um, that was like the, the beginning and that was painful and that was difficult. One of the most difficult things I've ever done. And then I told, you know, I told friends, I opened up and just faced it all. Just, just, just faced it all, all the, the collapse. I, we moved to Melbourne. So we cut all the safety nets that I had financially. Um, moved from PT to coaching and, and started to kind of build that. Um, yeah. Yeah. How did you use, I wonder how you used NLP to reshape and restructure your mind. For those who don't know what neuro-linguistic programming is, can you give a little primer 101 on what it is and and how people can use it, and how like as coaches listening to this, how can they use it to their advantage? Yeah, um, NLP had been fascinating to me for, for a little while, um, and I guess where I started to to get interested in it was from being a PT and working with people, working with overweight people, um, and learning how to um, learning how to help them get results but feeling limited uh, as a PT um, limited in the physical sense and as I was going on this deeper emotional journey of, of figuring out the reasons why the unconscious reasons and, and the blame and, and, and um, these five you know we, we talk about like five major negative emotions um, anger, sadness, fear, hurt, guilt, uh, and the way that those were kind of um, dominating and swirling around uh, in my unconscious. Learning about 
NLP was like a tool to help me to help people um, more effectively, but mainly to help myself. Um, and, and, and really what it is, is like your unconscious mind is way, way, way more powerful than your conscious mind. You know, if we were to put numbers to it, it might look something like your conscious mind is 5% and your unconscious mind is 95%. Your conscious mind is kind of where um, your wants, um, your kind of um, goals, your short-term memory. Um, this is like your conscious mind is I want to lose weight and how I'm going to do that is by going on this diet. Right. Your conscious mind is I want to make money and how I'm going to do that is I'm going to sign up for this uh, Forex trading course. Right. The unconscious mind is just way more powerful and way more, or more deep. Uh, and that's, and that contains your attitudes, your perspectives, uh, long-term memory, your beliefs, your values, um, your experiences, um, memories, um, um, your fears, the, the, they're all contained in the unconscious mind and the unconscious mind is what's driving you and powering you, right? So, and it's, it's pretty unaware. You're not really aware of, of, of that stuff going on. So no matter how hard you try and accomplish something or achieve something with your conscious mind, if there is anything in your unconscious mind that says that you can't do that, you don't deserve it, you're not worthy of it, um, or uh, the, the, you know, the fear that having that thing will, um, will be dangerous to your, to, to, to your safety. Right, which is a big fundamental thing when you're working with with patients, uh, uh, with clients with weight loss, is that for the majority uh, of those people, myself included, um, weight gain began to happen because the unconscious mind adopted the belief that being fat is safe and that losing weight is dangerous. So that can happen in, in many different ways. Um, but, you know, um, like in my case, it was physical protection from, from, um, from my, my father and, and brother, you know, who were just a kind of aggressive and, and quite um, angry father. Uh, and my defense was, was um, to really retract inwards um, and to kind of like be quite feminine to protect myself against his, his very, very masculine uh, demeanor. So that was my kind of defense mechanism and, and it kind of all kind of spiraled and, and the patterns grew and grew and grew and, and um, I suppressed, um, first of all, anger and suppressed that all and suppressed all the emotions and so that I was very numb, I was very just numb and eating was, was really my only way to satisfy some sort of get some sort of kind of experience in my life, feel something. Um, 
which is what, what, what happens when you start to numb emotions, you end up numbing, not just the ones that you're afraid of, but you numb all of them. Um, so learning about NLP is kind of like bringing awareness to those patterns and where they've, why they were created, uh, how they've affected your life up until now. Uh, and then using your conscious mind to um, to work with the unconscious mind in order to um, break those patterns, switch those beliefs, uh, change things around, rewire things. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just really quite quite fascinating what can happen really quickly when someone is able to let go of the unconscious blocks and barriers that have been preventing them from, from achieving the things that they they think that they want absolutely you 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 un unleash the shackles holding you down what are the I'm curious what are the questions because my first experience with nlp was reading tony robbins awaken the giant within have you dived into that um well i've got some stories about tony robbins but i actually haven't read that book what are your what are your stories what do you uh, what do you got oh bro so um my my girlfriend and i uh a couple months after what I had just spoke about there, when I told her we were going to date with Destiny, oh, the Gold Coast, okay, and um, yeah, we, we we weren't together at that at that time, but we had these tickets, so we went and, and we went through the the, the the thing, and on relationship day, um, they just landed an opportunity where he had asked the question, and and I just felt my whole body just fucking stand up and I put my hand up and he picked me and I had the microphone in my hand and, and now I was sharing with 2,000 people this shame and this hurt about this this thing um, so again another step into pulling down those those structures that I had created uh, the ego structures by by sharing sharing it all um, so we ended up having um, an intervention with him for like two hours right there in front of everyone uh, with both. He, he, he broke, he broke those things down with people for multiple hours. Yeah. So he'll just, what, how will he facilitate that? Is it just kind of like a question, listen, um, type of back and forth? Oh man, it's, uh, it's incredible. Really. Um, the, the, the setup, the structure, the, 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 the room, the, the teachings and then the way that he facilitates it is is absolutely phenomenal. He he blends NLP uh, with um, with storytelling and, and, and humor and and, and and polarity, feminine and, and masculine energy balance so incredibly well that it, it really is like magic. Um, and he basically worked with us in order to and what what we ended up getting to was. Um, and how he helped us was the thing that I have been dissecting um, uh, and distilling ever since to figure out um, how and why to change, which, which brings me to what I do now in working with men. Um, I work with men in relationships. Right. So it's kind of like a, a, a full circle. Um, but yeah, man, like what, what, what he, 
that experience was 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 phenomenal in allowing us to both let go of the stories and identities and images that we had of ourselves and of each other so that we could let the relationship die let the relationship end um, so that something new could be created um, so that whole process there uh, has become literally the the thing that i that, that i teach that, that i break down um, how did what was that process that he took you guys through like how did he break that down for you guys in a summary yeah, to be honest man i think it was more about giving us the opportunity and the space to share mm. without judgment yeah um because um yeah, I just don't believe healing is possible if that stuff stays inside. Yeah. It needs to come out. <sighs> so many of us, we keep it inside, man. We keep it inside and it builds up. It's like a it's like a uh, a bottle that is filling with pressure, more and more pressure, and then it just... I call, yeah, I call it the volcano. Right? Yeah. It's a volcano that's capped. Yeah. Like the, the volcano's... The, the the most dangerous volcanoes out there aren't the ones that erupt most often. They're the ones that erupt least often, right? It's like this, you know, so it's like you've got that volcano building and it's capped and it's building and building and building and like you just want to keep capping it and pushing more pressure down yeah. and builds and builds and, and men men are experiencing this like way more than you could ever imagine i mean men are really struggling um which is which has which is kind of what has kind of led me to to what i do now and in, in the men's work because it, it's challenging but i just see it as such a vital um thing right now particularly with what we're moving into on a global level not that i know what we're moving into but i know that um if men don't sort their shit out uh then um yeah i just don't see how yeah i see some real real trouble coming up we're, we're facing it right now absolutely you you, you see it in the day-to-day behavior you see it in the verbal altercations that express themselves in social media even in person you see a real lack of discipline and control over one's emotions and and, and decisions i mean you could speak to it what do you see and how do you address it with the men that you work with What I was talking about before, you know, about the, the, what we're seeing is a lot of boys walking around in men's bodies. Yeah. And well put. it's very so easy for men to, um, to bypass the inner work in favor of outer work. 
by e training at the gym yeah changing the superficial yeah getting tattoos or, yeah you know, whatever it is um so a very heavy focus on physical and a very very minimal focus on uh, emotional mm. spiritual and mental um, leads to a massive dysfunction and it's understandable why um, because a lot of boys have grown up without fathers without fathers maybe not physically without them yeah but without the presence of the father yes even with the presence of a father like i have my father was present my entire life he was always there he's still there now my parents are still together but he didn't have the process of initiation yeah that helped him to move from boyhood to to, to manhood so there's a generational gap that starts to form between boys and their fathers and that extends back you know through time to to, to a certain point where that, that cut was made you know tribal cultures the, the boys at a certain age were literally stolen taken from their mothers from the women to be initiated into the world of men through through a through a, like grueling ordeals which which you know as we explore more deeply essentially amount to the facing of death yes so without that with no physical i mean women have physical change that happens to them during puberty so so they can't help but move from girls to to women and they spend a lot of time with their mothers so that you know it's a, it's a different thing for, for us boys with men you know once the industrial revolution started and and fathers started to go off to factories leaving the boys at home with mum there were no longer like apprenticeships or you know working with dad in the in, in, in the farms or agriculture so what i do a lot of work in the like mythopoetic so you know um robert Bly and iron john um, mythology um so so that's in storytelling that's a lot of kind of where i spend my time robert now. moore um yeah and more in gillette the archetypes yeah yeah all of that stuff that's what i spend the majority of my time with men diving into and talking about um and i've lost my train of thought uh, about uh, where i was going with that um you were talking about uh, initiation and mm-hmm. one word to encapsulate it is rites of passage. Mm-hmm. We don't have really rites of passage from a boy to a man, you know. And you're, you, it's so interesting. I was smiling halfway through the conversation because I'm like, you are repeating some of the things I have thought and said in, in that mm-hmm. way. It's like, yes, women have this very physical... Uh, symbolic um, transformation through the menarch, uh, which is the onset of the menstrual cycle, okay? It doesn't mean maybe they're emotionally uh, ready to be a woman, but it is a big step forward. Now, for boys, what do we have right now? First beer. First uh, girl you have sex with? 
Yeah. Right. First fight. Yep. Um, but it's it's random and it's and it's at the whims of your circumstances and your environment and your and your upbringing. It's also an important factor. You said that women have a physical and symbolic um, move, but the the important aspect is that even that many times isn't facilitated by an elder yeah which is which is an essential part Absolutely. of education guidance leadership yeah, guidance. You, you you need to have it so if we if we do have any modern initiations for boys like we were just talking about they're not guided the boys are left to 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 kind of flounder around it and figure it out for themselves so we have lost what you know we've lost what we call like sacred space Mm -hmm. sacred space is guided by an elder and we just don't have elders we don't have elders we've got old men but old men are different from elders because i mean just reaching a certain age doesn't actually imbibe you with any wisdom or knowledge an old man who hasn't done the work he's still a boy is is useless yeah it's useless a bumbling old fool right which which describes the majority of the men that i've experienced in my in my life my childhood older men who are still making jokes uh uh, uh, you know unconscious jokes about women and their wives and and all all this kind of shit right so elders we've got a major major lack of of positive masculine elders who can take and initiate boys uh, and part a huge part of of my transformation has been meeting meeting the mentor meeting mentors meeting men who showed me a different example of what it meant to be a man um and i'm very lucky to have met some amazing mentors um it's just so important it's so important um you know in 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 the the, the story i and john the the myth of i and john which ties into joseph campbell's work as well uh, and the archetypes um it's called the um like the mother father you know it's like <laughs> it's like understanding that and we're going into some some really cool shit here, but it's understanding that in mythology there is there are no stories of good fathers. In mythology, in the Bible, you can find over and over and over again references to bad fathers, and it's understanding that we as boys. look to our fathers for more than they're capable of providing right so we look to them to be our initiator to keep us safe um, to represent the king and to represent you know the divine father as well but Mm -hmm. they're just men in actual fact the initiation can't happen from the father it must happen from a mentor or an uncle or, an, or, or, or a grandfather. There's all these different roles that men play in our lives. The father 
the father cannot be your mentor. Is it is it because they're too close? They're too related. Well, here's here's a little a good little definition. A father is primarily concerned with your safety. Your mentor is primarily concerned with your growth. So the father's job is literally just to get you get you through. But you need a mentor, an uncle, a grandfather, someone who's going to push and challenge you to to, to grow, who's, who's not really the primary concern is not your safety. We just don't have we just don't have that. So what what can we do, Nathan? Because you know, I'm sure you're familiar with Elliot Hulse. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and what he's done is he's like, I recognize this. I need to do something about this and lead. And he's created these really, what look like very powerful, transformative grounding camps. And he was going to bring it to Australia, then all this happened and he couldn't I come. So, but I see it. It's still like he's leading it in a big way, but there's still so much lack for it and so much need for it. Is it something that you're trying to create? Because what, what can we really practically do to solve these issues and work through them. Yeah. Um, Elliot Hulse is, is, is like one of, one of the leaders in this space, uh, in America. And there's, 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 there's quite a few emerging now. Um, I'm part of, um, one of the biggest in Australia, uh, called warrior within, uh, and that's growing, um, all the time. Um, my mentor, Asha is the founder of warrior within when we were down in Melbourne, I was with him at the very first uh, gathering men's men's circle that we held uh, years and years ago. And we've just kind of been been through a lot of a lot of stuff together. Um, and now with Warrior Within, this is a, a platform for men to get that guidance. Um, and um, one thing that, that that men can do right now is find a men's circle, find a men's circle, join a men's circle, warrior within uh, is, is down in Melbourne. Um, of course, there's no physical meetups at the moment, but every Tuesday night we co-host a, a men's circle on Zoom. Um, uh, and, and this plus this, um, like tonight, for instance, I'm running a, um, a mythology session. Um, so we've got classes that run all throughout the week. So, where, where can people go to find that? I'm trying to look it up now. What is yeah, the? Go Facebook. Go go Facebook. Warrior within. Find the group and everything. Oh, it's a group. It's not. It's not a page or an Instagram or a website. Yeah, it's all of those things as well. But okay. the Facebook page is group is probably the the fastest way to to, to get everything. Okay. Uh, other than that, go online. Um, that's where I do most of my work these days, uh, along with my kind of like private one-on-one clients. Um, but most of my coaching happens in that group uh, with men. So it's a huge kind of um, fulfilling um, the place to be, you know. Um, so so I'm, I'm really quite blessed to have kind of stumbled uh, upon it in that way. But it's it's changed my life, man. Like. It, letting go of the guilt around just being um, and then being able to stand up and, and own my gifts and, and, and hone my gifts and 
all of that kind of stuff is just so important. Like, I want to talk to to to, to your guys you know, specifically, your PTs, um, already on the path to to growth, learning, and health. Obviously, otherwise you wouldn't be watching this. Uh, a lot a lot of men, a high percentage of men, uh, I know, make up your audience and, and women as well. But the the thing here is that we need more strong men uh not just physically strong uh, but emotionally strong emotionally resilient men who have owned their darkness and and who have stopped pretending that they're weak um you know a man who's pretending to be weak is creepy that's what a creep is it's like this guy's dangerous but he's trying to make me believe that he's not. Mm. And I think most men who are yet to take the, the, the step down this path are that they're hiding resentments, they're hiding anger and rage, they're keeping it all bottled in because of the fear of what might happen if they lose control, who they might hurt, right? Um, or if they if they're found out that they won't be loved, and this is um, this is what festers and, and and eats up a man from the inside, um, because he's abdicating his power as a, you know as the divine masculine, you know, like as as a king he's giving his power away to somebody else other people lots of other people um so start to take that back you know and you can start by looking around at your life and seeing all the things that you've committed to and filled your life with see i talk a lot about fear of commitment i think this is an important point i don't believe fear of commitment exists I think that um, the I think it's fear of quitting. I think it's the opposite, the polar opposite. To commit is quit, and I think uh, a lot of men are so afraid of quitting, of letting people down, of resting, of surrendering, of accepting that what they do is just continue and continue to add and add and add more to their lives, more commitments more work, more Netflix, more drugs and alcohol, more girls, more women, more sex, more leads, more money, right? More, 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 more into their lives. So chock full of shit that they've got no time, no space to actually sit with themselves and actually listen to what they truly want. And most of those commitments aren't even theirs the commitments of other people, obligations that they feel they need to fulfill for other people. So you look around your life and say, what percentage of this life am I living that's not even mine? How much have I rented out of my life? What percentage? And you look around and say, holy shit, 80% of this life is not mine. I mean, 80% of my day, I'm doing things that I don't want to do. Going to a job I don't like, I'm dealing with people I don't like. I'm in a relationship that's not really great, right? My body's not not great. Although there is an element of 
we have to do things that sometimes we don't like or are going to be uncomfortable, right? Like training the mind, training the body, um, studying, researching, learning, uh, taking time for conversations with people. There are going to be times where it's like, I don't want to do this, but I know I've made a commitment to myself and my obligation for pursuit of excellence and I need to do this. How do you pass the two out? How do you figure out the difference? Yeah, great question. Look, um, I, I, I was a great quitter. I quit most things in my life. I mean, you don't get to 250 kilos um, uh, without quitting a lot of things. Um, and I hated myself for that. Um, but bringing acceptance to owning that part of myself has been a huge freedom in understanding that because I had quit so much in my life that I was really good at it, it meant that I really um, didn't put up with a lot of stuff that I didn't want in my life. So, you know, um, a lot of men have the opposite problem. They, they can't quit. So I just realized I was quitting the wrong way. I call it quitting like a loser. Quitting like a loser is when you walk out because you don't want to do it because of fear, because of resentment, because of anger, because things just get so bad, but you don't want to have the conversation. So it just gets so bad that you just walk out, walk into your boss, tell him to get stuffed, to walk out because you can't handle the bullying or whatnot. Quitting like a loser is when you leave before you've learned the lesson. It's when you leave before you've reached acceptance. It's a when you leave because you feel you're better than this, right? Or, you know, you quit your diet because you, um, because of some emotional thing that, that, that happened, you think you're not good enough, so you quit. That's quitting like a loser. And when you quit like a loser, you leave, a, a void is created inside that must be filled. And what rushes to fill that void is just more shit, more loser shit. And that's committing like a loser. So that's the flip side. Right, because you quit your job on a whim because you're sick of your boss. Two weeks later, the money's running out and you've got to accept whatever comes your way. And if that's garbage collection, or if that's you know uh, some other um, data entry job or call center job that you don't really want, but you need the money, then you'll take that job and you might do another five years in that. That's committing like a loser. So you can commit and quit the wrong way but in order to quit something like a champion which is the other side this is um, the mature development of, of this idea is to understand that quitting is not bad and committing is not good that they're just two sides of the same coin which means that anytime you quit something you're simultaneously committing to something you yeah. quit a relationship you're doing that but in the same instance you're committing to say yourself so once you kind of accept that you can quit that it's okay to quit and you can look around at your life and you say well i'm not happy in this in this job let's say um and this this is helpful for for you guys watching with your clients because a lot of them will just be so overcommitted that they can't possibly lose weight or get any uh, the health results they want because they're so chock full of stuff. So when I work with clients, the first thing I look at is what can you quit? What are you in right now that you don't want to be in? 
uh, and there's a process to move through that. Um, but what you'll find is if you focus on that quit side of things, then just by the nature of um, ending those things in your life that aren't serving you, you allow the space and opportunity and time to invite something new into your life. And that is a very uh, confronting step to take. It's a leap of faith. So if you do that often enough, and that becomes your journey, then like what happened in my life, now I look around at my life and realize, hey, there's nothing really left that I want to quit. There's nothing really that I'm doing that I don't want to be doing. Um, so just by default, my life, what's remaining are the commitments that I want to follow through on. So you asked, you know, sometimes you've got to do things that you don't want to do. My response to that is, but you do want to do them. Hmm. You say, I don't want to, I don't want to go to work because I don't like my job. I don't like my boss. I'm like, so why do you do it? Oh, to get money. Right. And you need money for what? Oh, to live, to, to support my family. You love your family. Yeah, I love my family. You committed to your family. Yes, I'm committed to my family. So then going to work is a commitment. Yes. So a commitment is something you want. Would you say it's more of a need? I know it's semantics, but... Like, I need to do this? Okay. As soon as as soon as it's a need, uh-huh. all right. Uh, this happens in relationships a lot. I can't leave because if I leave, it's going to be a nightmare, and I don't know what's going to happen. So I need to stay. As soon as you need to do anything, mm. you feel trapped. As soon as you feel trapped, what do you want to do? Get the fuck out. Escape. So nothing's a need. Nothing's a need. I mean, you don't you, you don't really need to do anything in your life right that's the point you you can quit anything you can quit all of it if you've got a family you don't need to support them you don't need to be there you can escape you can run you can get a van and drive out into the Kimberley and, and survive on on roadkill if you wanted you know like hmm. it's a very important topic to contemplate and reflect on and you got something you wanted to add yeah so um a lot of a lot of the guys will be working with people who are overweight mm-hmm. so um, so right right here is a is a beautiful thing that that might tweak and, and shift the way that you 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 help a person in that and it's and it's simply this you know how long have you been trying to lose weight for okay how's it gone so far not great okay you know how long have you been on a diet for in your life i've been on and off diets for 25 years right cool obviously hasn't helped hasn't worked you're the heaviest you've ever been so uh how about we try this uh Let's see if you can go a week uh, and let go of the entire idea of losing weight. Hmm. Like, just totally forget it. Right? Like, just 
you can go one week without worrying about your weight, right? Like let go of the diet, don't diet, don't count calories, don't do anything. Um, that's challenging. Because, I mean, when we talk about NLP, what you start to realize is that any, any want comes from the fear of, 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 of the opposite, right? So I want to lose weight is no more than a fear of not being enough or a fear of being fat. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason why someone has that fear. And if you're operating based on that fear and you're trying to get results, then you're only bringing more of that belief into your life. The belief that I am not good enough, that I am fat, that I can't lose weight. And the harder you try to lose weight, the harder you push, the harder you go on those diets, the more you reconfirm the belief. So you have to, and that's a big thing. You need, you need to shift and change the belief system behind the habits. Totally. I want to be respectful of your time, Nathan. I feel like this conversation, and we could talk for multiple hours, and I have a feeling that we definitely will in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and would love to get, because now I'm starting to see a small handful, a handful of people like yourself that I'm, I that I know that would be an incredible team to run Australia's biggest, you know, our version of a grounding camp of a men of a boys to men camp, and um, I, I'm definitely planning a, I want to plant a seed right now that I think uh, there's a number of professionals across this country that I think we should all get together and and run and lead something like this if you would be interested yeah man it's happening yeah it's it's going yeah it'd be awesome yeah yeah i think that would be cool actually matt another the other owner of orphic uh, has actually got a question I'll, i'll jump in and ask it um what are some other questions pts can ask their clients in the initial consults to help create an impact like introspective experience for the client and start them on a, on a change in behavior and lifestyle that is more in line with their goals. So what are some initial questions um, that we can ask in that initial meeting? Hmm. I would ask lots of, 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 of why yeah. questions. I mean, if you can ask, if you can ask, if you can get seven layers, if you can ask seven whys, then um, there's not much deeper you can go yeah. than that. So, um, you know, it, it's difficult because you start to blend, you know, the scope of a PT when you start to like dive in emotionally. Like, yeah. So uh, yeah. To just to answer the question, I could go on on a big story, but you know, I've I've done my time with 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 clients and, and physical transformation clients where I didn't really know what I was doing, but asked asked questions. Um, to really dig deep and found myself way way over my head. Yeah, because you get the trauma, right? You get the trauma. I had I, I started a group with sixteen women for weight loss, Oof. and I had just done NLP, so I had all these kind of tools, and <sighs> off I go, start like fucking popping lids open and like yeah. big cans of worms, oh, and like, and I'm getting like 
oh man, like I'm realizing like a huge percentage of women who struggle with their weight or their lives uh, uh, were victims of sexual abuse. And that's all coming out. They're telling me these things for the first time. And I don't know how to deal with any of this stuff. And that, that remains as a really challenging uh, experience where I was thrown into the deep end because of projecting their fathers onto me and, and having to deal with that emotionally. By the time I finished that, that process, um, I was out, I was burnt out. Uh, I couldn't coach again. Uh, well, I chose not to coach again for like three months because I was just like, I'm done with this. But it's, it's that process that has has taught me how to to build the emotional resilience in able to enable me to sit with a person and go to those depths. So what I would say um, to answer that question is, oh, it's it. it work on your own emotional resilience, your own emotional and unconscious stuff, do the, the inner work yourself. And then whatever you manage to heal within yourself, that healing energy will be available for your clients who you're in the presence of. Um, that's going to have the most uh, impact. Um, and in terms of questions, it's, it's allowing the space the safety for a person to open up and share something that they've never shared with anyone before. And if you can do that while talking about this topic, whether it's weight loss or fitness goals or whatever, to get a, to, to, to get a client to really understand why they want this and, and why it means so much to them. And, and a great question is like, what, what will happen in five years or 10 years if nothing changes? Mm-hmm. Um, what will uh, I often ask this question if you walked if you walked uh, if you woke up tomorrow morning and found a magic pill and you took that pill and you instantly uh, were at your goal weight and uh, what would you, what, what would you do like I'm talking about like practically you go to your closet none of your clothes fit, right? You go to work, how do you explain that to the people you work with? Yesterday, you're 130 kilos, today you're 80. How do you explain that? Um, and just that journey of like looking into that uh, allows them to, um, on their own, break through some of their own limiting beliefs because they get to experience actually, hey, what would I do in order to answer some questions or counter or, you know, you have to, um, um, if you can help a person to future pace, which means kind of put themselves in the experience of having the thing that they want, if you can do that in a really powerful emotional way, uh, then that's like, you're, you're halfway there. Yeah. And that the wise. I think that's a big thing. It's definitely something that I incorporate and that um, uh, we're beginning to teach in our new course, uh, Five Whys, and then you can get deep and you can figure out exactly um, who people are and why they're there and whether they're a good fit for you. Um, yeah. But to finish off, I'm, I'm stealing kind of a little bit of this last question from Tim Ferriss, but I, I like asking you occasionally um, to people like yourself, if you could put... Uh, if you could put anything on a billboard 
in the and every in every major city, so the majority of people could see it. What would you put as your message on that billboard? It's uh, yeah. Inhale, exhale, repeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need a lot of that right now, don't we? Yes. <laughs> yep, a lot of that right Grief. now in this world of yeah, you, yeah. Think about it. You know, I was, I was thinking about this the other day uh, with um, with all the stuff that happened with you know George Floyd and, and Black Lives Matter and everything. You know, the people protesting on the street chanting raising signs and what do those say what do those signs say what are the people saying i can't breathe hmm. right when you took look at nlp the words that you use have magic and they create your reality so you've got a collection of people all over the world chanting i can't breathe i can't breathe um yeah that that sums up the the the, the problem that's going on people can't breathe People aren't breathing. Um, and then what's happening now? Oh, fuck. We've been restricted from breathing even more. <laughs> Physically. Physically, because now you can't go outside without a mask. So, oh, yeah. I relish my runs because I know we don't have to wear them um, when you exercise. And I oh, relish God. those moments when I, uh, when I exercise outdoors. I'm like, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Um, yeah Nathan do you have any last comments thoughts asks of our audience or or just where people can find you and where you want to point them to oh thank you so much man this is an absolute pleasure Uh, it's good to be talking uh, again to to people yeah Um, pleasure's mine yeah there's so much Uh, I I look forward to to coming back and sharing more but yeah I, I think that's it yeah. you have the uh, warrior uh, warrior within group and Facebook page jump on warrior within that's for that's for men only sorry girls <laughs> um, uh, but but also um, on Facebook Nathan Miola um, uh, check me out reach out or whatever yeah it's all there beautiful Nathan Miola thank you for your time and uh, I appreciate your work and your honesty um, and then leading the charge in what and doing the hard work um, in what needs to be done to, to transform and, and help facilitate um, the transformation of, of, of boys to men. Um, it's not easy, but it's important and it's needed. So thank you. Thanks, bro. No problem. Speak to you soon. Bye. See you, Nathan. Nathan Miola, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Um, what I have here on the screen is what we do every week. Um, this is Webinar Wednesday, Orphic Podcast. Bit of a different change of pace uh, today on, on this conversation, and um, 
I hope it was uh, resourceful for you guys. I love these types of conversations. And uh, just to add one more thing, when um, Nathan was discussing, you know, you're going to find traumas and discover traumas and hard emotional parts with people. And in that case, you know, what do you do? A lot of people aren't equipped to deal with what to do. And in that case, a lot of those cases, it's all right. It's often best to recommend a brain trainer. A brain coach, aka a therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist, cognitive behavioral therapist, someone alike to that who can facilitate the psychological transformation on a bit more of a deeper level with their experience and then we can facilitate the physical and interrelate physical, psychological, psychological, physical uh, while you build the skills and tools to be able to help them through that uh, to refer out when needed. That, I think, is a uh, important part of that answer in that if you're in deep waters, yeah, do your best to facilitate um, maneuvering through that. But at the same time, it's like no reason someone can't have a, a physical coach and, and a brain coach, right? Especially with the, the government scheme where you can get 10 um, uh mental um with the mental health plan you get 10 sessions per year you can get about 70 80 dollars off per session making it very doable for the majority of people so that is an opportunity available to all of us if we want to take it now as for the orphic podcast how uh, we do this every wednesday we've had a lot of different guests on this is number 16 i believe so 16 great conversations so far um we will be Posting these on YouTube and all podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Music. If you don't see it, just uh, message us. Otherwise, you can enter your details in the website, orphaneducation.com. If you guys don't know, we're a company that delivers Cert 3s and 4s in fitness. And if you guys care about becoming, want to become a coach and trainer and want to do it, the way that is not easy, but the way that is comprehensive and difficult, but rewarding, fulfilling, and embodies greatness and excellence, then we might be a good fit for you. I'm Alexander Emanuel. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We'll see you guys next week.